while the praise team is making their way back, I'm going to ask you to take your songbook, and we're going to sing one more hymn. wanted to have you turn there. If you didn't mind, it's number 581 in your songbook. And as I was approaching 581, and we will have the words on the screen here as well, but I know some of you are very good at looking at a part, and some of you will have the uh, harmony to this memorized, actually, which is a blessing to those that are around you. So if you can pick out one of those harmony parts, please do. I'd encourage you to uh, bless those around. And what we're going to talk about today, I think, applies very, very well to um, some themes through this song. We're going to sing the first and the fourth verse of Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. we've dismissed the kids yet right children's church kids you can make your way back and workers as well kids make your way on back we've already lost a few of them I'm going to ask the rest of you to bow with me in prayer as we approach God's word today would you pray with me gracious father we would come to you with a request that what we do not know you would teach us we would come with a request that the things that we do not know and we are not practicing that you would move from our heads to our hearts, very possibly to a tear that might be in the eye. God, we praise you for being a great teacher. We thank you for the teaching of Jesus Christ when he walked here in this world, and we thank you that we can study those very words. We thank you that not only is this applicable to our day, but this is something that can help us to know you better and shine as brighter lights in this world. And so with that as our prayer, would you allow us, God, to be encouraged and blessed and changed because of your word today. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. There are times when we are talking, regular conversation, and we will use a word that is different in somebody else's hearing than what we were thinking. Perhaps you've had this experience. Oftentimes, if you go to a different part of the country, they will use a word that is different than what we use. So you might even hear somebody say something, and as you hear them say that, they thought something very different than what you actually meant to say. 
and this is gonna be applicable to what we're talking about today, I'm gonna ask you to rethink about at least one word and maybe even a couple different places in the teaching of Jesus Christ. When we think of words that we say that are different than somebody else hears, I have one illustration that might make some of you, um, might make your jaw drop a little bit. It might make some of you shake your heads. It might make some of you sad, actually, to hear it. It's a true story, which always makes them better, right, when they're true stories. It's a true story about a friend of mine named Bob. And Bob um, was, he's retired now, and he was pretty um, successful working for Ford Motor Company. But back when Bob was a college student, he was uh, a go-getter, and his, his instructors knew this. When he was in college, he had one professor that knew Bob, and he kind of trusted Bob, and so he came to Bob, and he gave him a request. Now, I want you to listen to the request that the professor gave and see if you can figure out what words Bob might have thought of differently in his head. The professor came to Bob, and he said, Bob, my wife and I are going out of town for the weekend. And we need somebody to take care of our dog for us. And I was wondering if you could help me with that. Would you take care of my dog while I go out of town? And Bob heard that and he said, well, sure, absolutely. And so Bob got the details uh, to where the professor's house was and got access to the house. And the professor went out of town. And as Bob went over to the house the first day of the weekend, he went up and got the dog and took the dog into his car. And he took the dog and he drove out to the woods. And then he went out in the woods and Bob shot the dog. And then Bob buried the dog and then Bob got in his car and went back and finished his weekend. When the professor got back, he could not find his dog there at his house. And so he went and he called Bob's mother. And he said, well, I asked your son to take care of my dog for me and we don't see him anywhere here. And his mother argued with the professor. Now you listen to me. If Bobby said he's going to take care of your dog, he took care of your dog. Don't you tell me he's not doing what he's supposed to do like a mother would defend her son. Now maybe some of you have already gotten there as far as the words that Bob took differently than his instructor had said. The words are take care of, right? I want you to take care of my dog. Now if I asked you to take care of something for me, I've got something in my head. The professor had something in his head when he said, I want you to take care of my dog. Bob heard something very, very different. Bob thought to take care of means, you know, what some of these gangsters in Chicago think what takes care of, take care of means. You're going to go out and you're going to take care of them. You're going to whack them and you're going to bury them. And that's what Bob did with the professor's dog. Now, the next day in class, when they got there, the professor stood up to the group and he said, well, today we're going to talk about communication. Just like that true story it's got a horrible ending to it and it was a tough lesson for both the professor and bob to learn i want to suggest to you that there are some times where we will come across words even words of the master teacher jesus christ and we need to rethink what we think of that word to mean sometimes we're going to have to go and do a little bit of work to find out what that is now today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 5 looking at the third beatitude and here Jesus says blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth and the word that some of us myself included have to do some work to understand what Jesus is saying is that word meek what comes to your mind 
when you think of someone who is meek? Do you think of somebody who you can just easily walk over them, kind of a doormat kind of a guy? Do you think of somebody who um, is weak? Maybe you think um, of someone who's got a dead fish handshake. You know what I mean when I say dead fish handshake? Have you ever felt that before? Give some of us the creeps when we do that. And so the dead fish handshake, just a guy who really isn't all that strong, a guy who really isn't all that impressive. I want to challenge you today with what Jesus taught to make sure you are grabbing a hold of what he said when he said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. If we have time, we might get to that last uh, statement there and maybe do some rethinking of what people think of when they think of inherit the earth. What we'll see in God's word today is that there is oftentimes an end goal that all believers have, Sometimes even non-believers have. There is an end goal that many of them can agree upon. In fact, if you look at the end of all of these beatitudes, most people can get behind the end goal. They can get behind what we're shooting for. Of course, today is they shall inherit the earth. Now, who would be against that? Of course I want that for my life. So what we're going to see in God's word today is most people will agree upon the end goal, but the road that it takes to get there, that is where many people will disagree. That is where folks find a narrow path and they're not interested in that. And this is why throughout Jesus' teaching there on the Sermon on the Mount, he would commonly say, you have heard it said but I say unto you. All that to bring us to Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 5. Now, let me take us back to that point in the moment of Jesus Christ's teaching. Remember the setting. Jesus had gone up to a mountain. He was seated there, and his 12 disciples gathered around him, and there was a multitude of people as well. But do not think that Christ was speaking and trying to reach the thousands that were listening. That's not what's going on here. The main teaching is to the disciples, but many others could lean in and gather what he was saying. And so in the moment, when you think of the word meekness, and Jesus says, blessed are the meek, you need to understand that Jesus here is not giving a lesson for the feeble, okay? He's not saying, if you're here, and you're a guy that gets walked over all the time, then I've got something to tell you. That's not the audience that Jesus is going for here. This is a lesson that is for everyone. You'll remember we said last time that all of these beatitudes are something that we are supposed to be going after. And so if you keep that in mind when you're trying to find a definition of meekness, you might, not realize, you might realize that he's not talking about weakness here, not at all. Now, when we go through each one of these beatitudes, we've divided them into two parts. First of all is the role, the role. And Jesus starts by saying, happiness, this is what it means, happiness is promised to the gentle, to the contented, and to the patient. In other words, the meek. This is three words that very clearly fall underneath a definition of meekness. Something we're supposed to be going after. 
Now, I'm gonna challenge you today to change something in your life. And so I want you to be prepared for that. I don't, want you to ca- I, don't want, I don't want it to catch you off guard. And so I would ask you this. With this idea that we're supposed to go after all of these beatitudes, if you were going to go after meekness, would you agree today to do that? Let me give you a definition before you answer yes or no. And let me see if you would agree to this in your life. This definition of meekness. Meekness defined as a willingness to submit and work under another's authority. Do you have a willingness to submit yourself and to work under another's authority? Now, a good picture of meekness is the picture of a horse. When we think of horses, many of you have good thoughts of that. You think of a beautiful animal. Maybe you have some good memories with horses. I've got some average memories with horses and I've got some very horrible memories with horses one of the things I recall when I was 12 years old and we changed homes was we moved to a house and right next door to the house was a fenced-in horse about about that same color as the one that's on the screen there the horse's name was Pilot, and I was 12 and I knew care for that horse and that person asked me after a few months and getting to know me would you like to ride Pilot? And I thought to myself, well, sure, that sounds good. And so without any instruction, without any training, without any warnings, that person put me on top of this horse. What's the worst that could happen, right? Well, as I got on top of the horse, I didn't know much. I didn't know anything about horses, and I was just a kid. And the horse started going. It started going a little bit faster, and I'm not sure if that made my feet move in and out and kick at that horse But all of a sudden, I found, now, of course, the story gets better with time. You understand that. But I found myself going, I don't know how fast. It felt like a gallop. I don't think the horse did anything wrong. I think it was completely on my side. And I went up off that horse, over the left side, and down on the ground. And it was a fairly nice field, but there is one large rock right in that field that my backbone met when I came off of that horse. I don't have a very good memory of getting on horses when I was young. And that's sad, some of you would say, right? I know we have some horse lovers that are here. You'd say, what a shame. That's what you think of when you think of a horse. I don't think Pilate was at fault for me going flying off the back of that horse. I think I was at fault. But having said that, a horse is only going to be useful to its owner is only going to be useful to the rider when that horse has been made submissive. And we're gonna, that's really a key word in the message today, the word submissive. Any useful horse will be marked by submission. And if you're taking notes, write out that word submission and then write a slash through it after the letter B, submission. We're gonna break that word down And we're going to see exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The word mission is what you think it is. Sometimes we will think of a company or a business, and they have a mission statement. If you get to know somebody well enough, you'll know the mission they have in life. It's what comes out of them that they talk about, they want to give time to. And I want to suggest also that Jesus has a mission. Christ has a mission in this world, 
And he has a mission for your life. That's the part of the word mission. Now we need to go back and see that word sub. What does sub mean? Sub means to come under. And so if we're going to catch what Jesus is teaching here, we need to understand that we need to submit. We need our will, our desires, to come underneath the will and the mission of God. When we practice submission, we are putting our mission aside and living under the rule of another. When we talk about a horse, there's a certain word that we use for this. When you get a horse, that horse has to be broken is the word that is used. There has to be a breaking process and this will depend on whether the horse will be of any use or not. Brothers and sisters, listen to what I'm about to say. Your usefulness for how much God will use you in this world is going to depend on whether you have been broken or not. Broken from what your mission is or your passions are to the point where they have come underneath the mission of Jesus Christ. Your usefulness to God is, only, is going to depend upon if you will place your own impulses aside. Now, there's no doubt that there are things that God gifts us with that we naturally do and it naturally pleases him. But there are many things in our lives that are of the flesh, if I can use that Christian term. When we talk about of the flesh, it means that that's an impulse that I have that I want to do and God's word has told me not to do that. We've already talked about gentleness. We've talked about patience. We've talked about being content. And when you think of these things, there are some impulses of your heart that you're going to need to learn how to control. You have to get a handle on these impulses and you need to put them underneath what the mission of God is for your life. A common definition for meekness when we come to studying God's word and specifically Matthew 5, 5 are the words power under control. If you have a, a, Bible, a, a study Bible, and I recommend everybody gets a study Bible, it might say that right there in your study Bible. Power under control. The usefulness of a horse is going to depend on whether that horse has been broken. When there is potential in your life when there is potential for a wrong response, when there is potential for chaos, when there's something going on and very clearly a big storm can come in your life, these are the areas that we need to be guarded and we need to respond with meekness. And as God allows us to go through this world he oftentimes will allow us, when there's potential for a storm or potential for chaos, he allows us to respond in an orderly way. In a way where it seems like there's something bigger than you controlling your actions. Maybe that looks like a gentle response. Meekness is something that is going to rest quietly in your soul and it's going to keep you in check so when those fleshly responses want to come out, 
you instead can respond with meekness. And if we do not, if we respond by snapping at somebody, if we respond with harshness of words, if we respond by stepping on individuals to get what we want, it is those times that we are not shining as a light for Jesus Christ in this world. Those moments in the flesh would cause us to fail at following and honoring Christ. So when we speak of a meek person, understand and be careful of the pendulum, okay? I I oftentimes use the illustration of the pendulum swinging because it's way over here and then we start to swing and sometimes it goes too far. When we speak of a meek person, we we are speaking of a person who does not think too much of himself and we're also thinking of a person who does not think too little of themselves. Those aren't opposites necessarily. There's going to be a place where you should land, and I think Jesus Christ gets to that when he finishes this beatitude. And so it's not thinking too much or too little. The individual who recognizes meekness in their life is not thinking of themselves at all. Self is not even on the radar. What is on the radar is God and God's ways. What is on the radar is others. They come before you. In our midweek club some time back, one of our teachers had the opportunity to teach some of these youngsters for the very first time that lesson that I learned when I was a kid. If you want joy, it's spelled J-O-Y, which stands for Jesus, others, yourself. They're going to hopefully hang on to that lesson for the rest of their lives Because Jesus teaches us that. Self is not even on the radar. Jesus Christ said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's number one. Blessed are the meek. And then we look at the reward. Jesus always gives the reward. The reward here is the whole earth will belong to them. Now, I said a little bit ago, with all of these Beatitudes, nobody is arguing that that's not favorable in anybody's eyes. You can look at the second half of all of the Beatitudes, and just about everyone will agree, yeah, put that on my list to go after. That's something that I want. How about this one here? The whole earth will belong to them. Now, what does that mean? When Jesus is teaching this, what is he saying? Blessed are the meek, and the whole earth will belong to them. When we talk about meekness, we understand that we live in a culture that screams against this kind of teaching. Our culture does not put anybody on the front of the magazines because of their meekness. In their life. Nobody gets put on the magazine for that reason, the magazine cover. But meekness, no matter how much it is ridiculed, meekness is, honestly, it's pragmatic. It really is. There's a natural flow that comes from the meek person. It has a tendency to promote health and to promote comfort and safety in this world. And if you don't believe me, just go and compare. Compare an individual that is meek and quiet in this world with one that is stubborn 
and someone that is unstable. So there's something very sweet and spiritual about Jesus' teaching, but there's also something very practical. Did you know that people, even folks that aren't Christians, they don't know Christ, they can grab a hold of many of the principles of God's word and they can benefit from it? Are you aware of that? There are plenty of folks that have never been saved that can walk in a meek way and it can benefit from them. It can benefit them. Now, when we get this idea of meekness, what it's going to do is it's going to put, in a, it's going to put us in a place of trust. Blessed are the meek. Okay, what are the ABCs that I've got to do to be meek? That's what we do as Americans, right? We're making lists. If I can check this one off and this one off and this one off, then I've got meekness. Well, in just a moment, I'm going to tell you that that's not necessarily the case. What can we do to get meekness? It's complicated. It's a little bit tricky. Before we get to that, I want to give you an assurance with something, though. When you practice meekness in your life, what happens is, is if you're not being so aggressive to defend yourself, if you're confident that what you are doing is following God's will, doing what he wants you to do, then you can understand that you have a defender in Jesus Christ. I love what A.W. Tozer said about this in one of his writings where he said, the meek man will attain a place of soul rest and as he walks on in meekness, he will be happy to let God defend him. The old struggle to defend himself is over. He has found the peace which meekness brings. Now I know I might be stirring up a hornet's nest with some individuals. Some folks feel very strongly that they need to defend themselves. And of course, that's a conversation to be had. But I'm going to mention just quickly in just a moment the things that would make you angry and how you can respond without sinning. But I would encourage you with this before that. If you are going after gentleness, if you are intentionally going after patience, and, and don't be afraid to pray for patience. God wants you to have patience. So that old joke, don't pray for patience because God will do something to bring you that way, that's only bringing you closer to where God wants you. Go after patience. Go after gentleness. Go after a contented life. If you're going after these things, then what's going to happen? So if you're going after these right here, simultaneously, What's going to happen in your walk is you're going to be delivered from harshness. A harsh response. God will defend you and help you to fight against that. You will be defended from the idea that you've got to get revenge. Vengeance. So many people. I have a right. People are worried about their rights. And the Bible very clearly tells us, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith who? The Lord. And also this idea of individuals, and especially in America, individuals that are so power hungry, a power hungry attitude that leaves individuals smashed in your trail, not caring what it took to get to the next rung on the ladder or to get my way. 
You see, God has something that we can agree on that we all want, but the way to get there is very, very different. Jesus Christ says here the way to get there is by practicing meekness. Now, I've asked some of you to think differently about maybe what your background with the word meekness is. We need to think, rethink the word meekness. It's not weakness. It's power under control. And then very quickly, some of us need to rethink the words inheriting the earth. What does it mean to inherit the earth? Is this talking about riches and fame? Land? What does this mean when Jesus says, those who are meek will inherit the earth? I've only got time to cover one part that I think is the most controversial part of this. When we talk about inheriting the earth, this is going to mean, in part, a contentedness with what you have in life. I don't have time to expand on what the Bible teaches about Christians having a good work ethic, understanding how God has gifted you to go out into the workplace and to earn a living, support your family. So there's a whole long conversation to have about that. But having said that, there is a place of contentedness that Jesus Christ is teaching here. And that place of contentedness when it comes to inheriting the earth is going to mean that you're okay when your neighbor has something that you don't have that's pretty attractive. It means it's okay when someone you know, their kids get the recognition or the advancement that you wish your kid would have had and you think your kid deserved more. You're allowed to be content. You do your best, and then you trust God to be faithful. You trust God to bless your work that comes from your hand. And I want to give one picture that will help us with this idea of meekness. With this picture, I need to ask a question ahead of time. The question is this, what does meekness look like when God asks you to do something that you're not comfortable with? A situation that you have not chosen for yourself and you don't want it. In fact, you want to run away from it. Remember that question and then come with me to a garden. And as we walk to a garden, We can understand that the hour is late. It's dark outside. And as we walk to that garden, we find some men that are sleeping on the ground. And then we walk a little bit further. And we see a man in the garden who is not asleep. In fact, that man is prostrate, laid over a large rock. And he's shaking. That man is not shaking because he's cold. In fact, he has sweat that's coming off of him profusely. And as you observe this man in this garden, shaking and sweating, it's obvious to you that he is in an agony of soul. And then you hear that man speak. And that man says, Father, if you will, please remove this cup from me. 
as he weeps. He says, take it away. And then very soon after that, you hear him finish the prayer when he says, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. If you have a picture in your head, frame that picture of Jesus Christ. This is the picture of meekness that preceded the time when Christ went to the cross. And this is the example that he has given us. We are called to this kind of meekness. It's a difficult road. You would never choose this narrow path for yourself. And I love to say, and I say this, I think at least every week to somebody, God never wastes the situations from our past. The sin that somebody else imposed upon you, even your own sin that you're responsible for, God never wastes any of that. But he wants us to respond with meekness. He wants us to respond with any passion, any desires that might be fleshly falling underneath what his mission is for our life. Heard a story recently about a doctor. And this doctor had a friend that worked outdoors all the time. And so the doctor asked his friend, he said, well, what kind of weather shall we have tomorrow? And the friend thought about it for a moment and he said, well, I guess we're going to have the kind of weather that pleases me. And that kind of confused the doctor. What, what do you mean we're going to have the kind of weather that pleases you? And then his friend responded, well, the kind of weather that pleases God, that's the kind of weather that pleases me. A good lesson for the good doctor. Anything that would come that man's way, even if it meant he had to stand out in a storm, was pleasing to him if he knew that God was bringing it. What is the mission of your life? We need to make sure that we are having our mission come underneath God's mission. All right, what can we do with this? And this won't go as fast as it usually does. This might take a moment for me to get through this. How do you get meekness? Those of you taking notes, did you get it? How do we get meekness? You you can't. You can't just decide right now, okay, you know what? February, we're starting off a new month. Going to get meekness this month. It'll be good to go. How do you get meekness? This is not something that you can just get. Meekness instead is a byproduct. Meekness is a byproduct in your life. Number one, it's going to be a byproduct of submitting to God's word. We have this horrible habit of picking and choosing the things that we want to do, the things that God's word says that we want to obey. And you must make a decision that you are going to submit to God's word no matter what it says. Now that requires that you know God's word. Don't just be dependent upon what somebody else is telling you. James 1.21 says, Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This is a test of your maturity as a Christian. Because if you really believe what God's word says, then you are going to do it. Whether it's the easy part or the difficult part. 
and this will help you very practically to respond to evil with goodness. That's what you will be able to do. And then second, another byproduct that we'll talk about is you can be bold for your master's business. And this is not a major teaching that we find here. In fact, this is one little rabbit trail, but I put it in there because I know some of you will struggle with this one because I struggle with, it, with this one. Be bold for your master's business. This is that idea that I mentioned earlier, be angry and sin not. Now before you jump out into looking to be angry about something, let me encourage you with this. It takes a mature person to know when to be angry and not sin while they're doing it. One of the most vivid pictures that we find in the scriptures of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ when he went into the temple and the money changers was there and he flipped over those tables. Jesus Christ responded and did not sin because what was going on was an offense to the Father. And I've prayed for the next generation coming up that they would have a moral courage to do what is right. Being a Christian doesn't just mean laying down all the time and being walked over. That's not what it means. There are some things that you will need to stand up for even if you are the lone voice in the room. Not allowing wrongdoing to pass by if you have a voice to say something about it. Do you want to be useful to God? I hope you do. This area of meekness, this area of setting your impulses aside and putting them underneath what God has for you. This is meekness. And these are the ones that won't inherit the earth. We're going to take some time to observe the Lord's Supper today. I'm going to ask our men that are serving if they would stand and they would come. I'll tell you what, let's have everybody stand just before we do this. Please everybody stand with me. And let's sing through uh, the first verse of How Great Thou Art. It starts out, O Lord my God, when I am awesome wonder. Let's sing that together.